Welcome to Lessons We've Learned, Episode 1. I'm your podcast host, Bree Maya. Let's get started. Now, you may have read the title of this episode, Stability in Misery, or you could flip that, Misery and Stability. Um, I have been accused on occasion of being a Debbie Downer. Now, I work really hard not to own that identity. And so despite what um, impression the title might give you, I hope that this is an episode that encourages you and brings you hope, but it will also be pretty honest. Um, If you haven't listened to the trailer episode yet, I would encourage you to do so. You're probably thinking, who is this chick? And why should I care what she has to say about anything? And the answer is this chick is really a nobody and you probably shouldn't care (laughs) what I have to say about anything. But on the rare um, set of circumstances that you might care, I am here and I hope that you enjoy this episode. So let's get started. I've thought a lot about this concept of there being stability in misery. I'm in a season of life where I'm not super happy with where I am and what I'm doing. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is that next step that I should take? Um, But I don't think that these are feelings that are in any way, shape or form unique to me. I've worked quite a few different jobs. Um, I've worked in several customer service based jobs. I have worked in higher education. I currently work um, as an elementary teacher and in every single job I have ever had, I've met people who are unhappy um, on the lighter side of things to totally miserable in their lives with their jobs, with what they're doing. And this is interesting to me, you know, especially in some of the jobs that I've had, like these were, you could consider kind of destination type jobs. You know, you look at education and this is something that people go to school for, oftentimes dream of becoming an educator from a young age. And so I think that there can be this perception that like once you've arrived there, you've achieved it all, right? You should be totally happy and totally fulfilled. And yet it's no different in in that space of like a destination kind of oriented job compared to a customer service job where you're answering phone calls and getting screamed at by irate customers. Like there are still people that are so very unhappy with what they're doing and with their life. And yet so many of us stay there. And we have to kind of ask ourselves, how is that and why is that? And I'm not throwing stones. I'm one of those people. I've, I've hopped from job to job, you know, trying to find something that makes me happier and I kind of keep ending up in this cycle of 
doing things that are stable, but bring me no joy, no fulfillment. And if I reflect on the different people I've met in these different spheres, I would say it's the same thing for them. There's a certain level of stability in that misery and unhappiness. It becomes comfortable. It becomes the thing that you know. I know what it means to stay here and feel the way that I do and be unhappy with my circumstances. I know that life. And I know that whatever those circumstances are, there's, there's, for example, a job. It could be something other than a job. It could be a relationship. It could be all types of things that I'm probably not thinking about. But let's look at a job, for example. You know, that job probably provides decent benefits, decent pay where you know you know the mortgage is getting paid and you know the light bill is getting paid and you know that your cell phone bill is getting paid every month. And you're not happy there, but it's meeting your needs. Like it's providing you the amenities of life that you want or need provided without too much extra thought, right? You show up to this job and you do what you know you have to do and you get the paycheck and that becomes comfortable because it's stable. You know what to expect. And the unknown is the scariest thing for all of us. Most of us spend our lives actively avoiding the unknown, right? You meet people who they they don't even like surprises. (laughs) They don't even like spontaneity because it's the unknown. Now, I'm a person who loves surprises. Spontaneity is something that I appreciate. I want to be a very spontaneous person. I jokingly tell people that I can totally be spontaneous if I know ahead of time (laughs) that I need to be spontaneous. I just need to mentally prepare myself that it has to happen. But this idea of the unknown makes us so uncomfortable, the things that we can't control. And when we're stuck in a life that's become so routine and cookie cutter that we almost feel like we do control it, we have control over the circumstances and the pieces We know what it looks like. We know how it operates. There's no more guesswork. There's no more uncertainty. There's no more unknown. I know what it looks like to wake up every day and go to this job that I've gone to every day for the last year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. I know what that looks like. And I know the life that it affords me. And so we stay even when we're unhappy. And it blows my own mind because I see myself do it. Right now I'm stuck in this this mind game where I know I'm so unhappy. And I know I don't have to stay here. Like the Lord has blessed my husband to be successful enough at this point where it's like, if I want to walk away, I can walk away. But yet something in the back of my mind that's totally irrational and yet feels totally rational, tells me, no, you can't just like leave. That's irresponsible. 
And this is a good thing that you have. Like there are tons of people that would love to have what you have. And that's not like, I'm not wrong about that. I know that that's, that's true. I'm blessed to have the things that I have. And this will be a concept for a later episode, but just because I can do something and just because it has the potential to be a good thing doesn't mean that it is a good thing for me or it is the best thing for me. And so I get myself stuck in this weird, vicious cycle where I desperately want out, but yet I'm, but I keep myself there. And I'm the only one keeping myself there. No one is holding a gun to my head and saying, you have to keep doing these things that are making you unhappy. But I do. It's this weird sense of responsibility. And in the case of where I am now, let's see, how transparent should we be here? <laughs> The, the likelihood that anyone that I work with will probably find this or listen listen to this is is pretty small so let's be let's be pretty transparent right now I'm working in education I'm an elementary music teacher I from about middle school put my sights on becoming a teacher now the the real goal was to be a high school band director like that was the world I knew that was the world I felt like I loved that's what I wanted to dedicate my life to and so I did from middle school through high school I set my sights on being a good musician working hard to be the best in the small little world that I existed in and I set my sights on going to school and going to college to become a music teacher. And I did that thing. I went to school. I, be, I got the degree. I even got a master's degree that I didn't need. And is tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt that I didn't need because it was like the path that was in front of me. And I, I have allowed myself my entire life to believe the narrative that other people have said about me. And it's not a bad narrative. Like, it's a very uh, admirable, kind, benevolent narrative of who I could be or who I should be or what I should do. But it was never truly mine. But I did all the things, right? So now I'm, after graduating, felt like, well, I don't really know if I want to teach. I didn't have a great experience student teaching. I had great, uh, one in particular, really great mentor, but I didn't feel like I loved it the way my peers loved it and the way I wanted to love it. And so I looked for teaching jobs and the door just never really opened. And so I found myself working all of these other customer service jobs. I worked in banks and call centers and did a nice substitute taught to try to stay in the schools and, and all of that jazz. And anyways, long story short, here I am, what, it's 2022, nine years after graduating with my bachelor's degree, and I have finally stepped into a teaching position, and I've been there for about a year now. And 
I struggled to take the position in the first place, but it, I felt like I had to get out of where I was, even though it was work that I was really enjoying, but it felt like kind of a dead end for me. And I struggled with, should I take this teaching job? But it felt like, again, the responsible thing to do. Why wouldn't I do it? I have a degree to teach. It is the best pay. I mean, we all know teachers don't pay, don't get paid that great. And it's the best paying job I've ever had. And, you know, affords a decent amount of schedule flexibilities with your summers off and and breaks and things like that. (coughs) Sorry. And so it was like, well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I take the job? So I did. And this is going to sound so stupid, but I cried every morning driving into work for like the first month that I took the job. Like something inside of me knew that I was settling when I didn't want to settle. But I keep trying to convince myself that these things that aren't really what I want are the responsible, wise choice. But what is, what is it worth if it sucks every ounce of joy and happiness and life out of you? (coughs) So I stay. So I just keep doing those things. And like in the case of, of, of teaching, like right now I can't stop coughing because these lovely wonderful precious little germy children like I can't stay healthy and constantly like I mean on a rotation of every month or so uh, it's it's always something but it feels like something noble to do right to be a teacher I mean there's only so many really noble professions and in the eyes of society teaching seems to be one with, you know, a few kind of out, outliers, you know, with teacher union stuff and some of the things in the current media, but we won't get into all that. But it feels like a noble profession. This is something that's admirable to do, to give your life to educating the young children, young people of our, of our communities. And it is. There's pieces about education and about teaching that I love. The opportunity to be a voice and to be someone who hopefully has a positive impact in a child's life is, I mean, in some ways, I think like intoxicating. It's this this thing that you, this ability to be like a quote unquote difference maker is something I crave at least. I don't know if everybody craves that, but I kind of always have. I've always, that's why I wanted to be a teacher in the first place. I was the kid who never, never fit in in school. I never, I mean, I had a small group of friends. I wasn't like getting bullied all the time or anything like that. By the grace of God, that wasn't my experience, but I also didn't like fit in. I wasn't 
popular. I wasn't the one who had a huge friend group. I was just always kind of felt like an outlier. And music in school kind of became the place where I felt like I fit. But I also had a handful. I had a fifth grade teacher. I had an English teacher in high school who had a really impactful um, presences in my life. Like they really made a difference for me. And that always stuck with me. Like I, I kind of craved this ability to be that person for someone else, the person who really made the difference. And I don't know, maybe that's prideful and like self-seeking and selfish. And maybe that's why like I'm not happy doing it. The Lord's protecting me from that pride or something. I don't know. But I think I like, I stick around for what the idea of what it could be, but it never is for me. I never feel like I actually have those opportunities. I never feel like I'm really that person for these kids. And granted, it's only been a year, right? And it's it's elementary school. Like these kids are you're not super aware of those things at that age, I think, for the average child, but it just doesn't, it brings me more stress than it does joy. I was talking to my sister the other night, and I'm like, I feel the worst physically that I've ever felt in my entire life. Now, I'm not old. I'm 31 years old, okay? So, like, I'm being dramatic, but still, and this is not age I'm talking about. Like, I am decently active. I try to have a decent, you know, workout routine. And physically, like, working out, I feel good. Like, I feel the best that I've ever felt in, in that kind of way. So, it's not like, well, you're just getting older and that's what happens as you start to feel crappy. Like, no, that's not what I mean. I mean... I'm tired in a way that I shouldn't be tired mentally, physically, emotionally. Literally, my health is the worst it's ever been. Like, I cannot stay healthy. I always have some type of, like, respiratory or cold, head cold, whatever. Like I do right now, there's probably going to be a weird pause (laughs) in this episode because I just had, like, a coughing fit. And my eating habits are the worst they've ever been. Not because I don't know better, but because I'm just so tired at the end of a school day that like my willpower to even make the food choices that I know that I should make is totally gone. And I don't like that for myself. Like some people might say like, hey, that's just part of the territory. I'm cool with that. Like, I know that that's kind of how I operate. I know how to ebb and flow with that. It ain't no thing for me. But it is a thing for me, and I'm not happy. Like, I don't feel good physically. I don't feel good mentally. And, like, what is it worth? This stability that I feel like I have? That in all reality, I mean, I could get fired any day. So, it's not really that stability is like an illusion. Now I'm not doing things to like actively get fired, but that's just, 
you understand what I'm saying. It's not that stability is something that we convince ourselves exists there, but it could be gone in the flash of an eye or the blink of an eye. It just could be gone. And so, but we keep ourselves in those circumstances because we've convinced ourselves that this illusion of stability is really there, that it really exists and that it's really worth something. But what is it worth? If at the end of the day, we're allowing ourselves to stay in circumstances that make us unhappy and suck every sense of life and joy from our being, what is it worth? What does the, what is the paycheck worth? What are the benefits worth? Now, granted, I know we all have bills to pay. Like, that is not a reality um, that escapes me, okay? We, my husband and I, have lived the life of, like, paycheck to paycheck and flipping couch cushions to look for every little bit of extra change so that we could put gas in the car and like that the urgency of needing money to pay your bills does not escape me but lots of us that find ourselves in these situations where we're allowing ourselves to stay in misery because we feel like it offers us stability aren't in that season of life anymore. We're not flipping over couch cushions for change anymore. By the grace of God, I thank the Lord that I'm not. And so what it, what what is this stability worth? When there's a world out there now, I'm for me to do the things that could bring me joy, is there a chance I might have to take a pay cut? Probably. Is that something that I feel really excited about? Not necessarily, not in particular, but the payout could be huge, right? The temporary sacrifice of stepping away, the temporary sacrifice of a time of a brief pay cut, the temporary sacrifice of the stress of the unknown could have monumentally huge payouts in the long term. When we find the thing that where our passion meets purpose, the thing that brings us joy, the thing that doesn't feel like work, you know, you've heard that expression. If you find something that you love doing, you never work a day in your life. Like I'm still trying to find that thing. And there's always going to be things that feel like work, no matter what you do, no matter how much you love what you do, there's always going to be aspects of it that feel like work. But what if you... What if you go towards and you find that thing that barely feels like work? There's only little, little pieces of it that feel like work. And because of that, like you're able to give it everything that you have. And it really becomes something. And that payout is huge, not necessarily financially, or maybe it is financially, but for peace of mind, for joy of life, for freedom, to be able to have more control over your own life, isn't that worth so much more than this 
supposed stability that we think we're being offered in our current circumstances. And maybe it's not a job. Like I said earlier, maybe it's like a relationship for you and you stay because there's something comfortable about it. You, you know, this relationship, you know what to expect from this person. And maybe it's not like a bad relationship. Nobody's being abused here, but you're just not happy. That's what I'm talking about. It's these things where what we have is not a bad thing. And so then we almost kind of like try to guilt ourselves and say like, why are you unhappy? What you have is a good thing. There are a lot of people who would love to have what you're so unhappy with. And so then we feel like selfish or stupid or irresponsible for wanting to step away from this quote unquote good thing, whatever it is. But why do we have like, why do we have to explain to ourselves why it's making us unhappy? If it's making us unhappy, then it kind of ceases to be a good thing. And happiness isn't all there is to life. I get that. But it is a pretty big piece of life. We have one life to live this side of heaven. And finding joy in this life is pretty important. And if you meet people who try to tell you otherwise, I would wager some pretty good money that I probably don't have that these people already have a sense of joy and happiness in life. Because when you've experienced a season of life where you have no more joy, you have no more happiness, you realize it's a pretty integral part of life, of finding any type of purpose, of finding motivation. Like, uh, I'm finally in a headspace these last two days where I feel a sense of motivation. And so I'm like, I have to get this podcast off the ground. It's a creative outlet for me. I'm having these conversations like a psycho inside of my head anyway, so I might as well just record it and put it out there for somebody who maybe can relate to this. But that's what people who haven't experienced that can't like understand that if you don't, if you lack, if you truly have no sense of joy and happiness in life, it's, it, it sucks every ounce of motivation from you. It's, I mean, it really, like, even if we're not call, labeling it as depression, because I don't necessarily think it has to be depression or clinical depression, or it even could be, but you're, you're just, you lack any type of happiness and joy, and then you lack motivation to do anything, because it just mentally exhausts you. It's mentally exhausting to keep trying to show up every day when you're unhappy. You don't want to be there. You don't want to have to fake it, but you know you have to because that's what it means to be professional. That's what it means to just like show up as an adult. 
I don't get to just show up and pout all day long. Like I have to show up and I have to do the things and I have to be the person. And it's mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting. And if you're listening to this and you're like, lady, I don't know what you're talking about right now. I can't relate. Well, like then I would say, (laughs) thank the Lord for it. Like, that's awesome that you can't relate to that. But if you can, you know exactly what I'm saying. And so if you know exactly what I'm saying, then you know what I mean when I say, "Mm, joy and happiness aren't everything, but they're kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. And from a Christian perspective, we are supposed to have joy in the Lord. And we do even in those darkest moments, but there's a great, like, there's a difference between having to daily remind yourself when you don't feel it, that I have joy in the Lord in a very eternal sense and waking up and genuinely feeling and living in that joy this side of heaven. There's a big difference between those two things. And so I guess I would just want to encourage myself and you, whoever you are that's listening to this, if you relate in any kind of way, to really take a beat and consider what is this supposed stability and responsibility worth that you're sticking it out for? And is there an opportunity for you to start to move in a different direction that brings you joy? I'm not saying like, let's all just throw all caution to the wind and quit our jobs with no plan or leave that relationship with no, I mean, leaving your relationship can or cannot be as easy as you want it to be sometimes. Sometimes there's less to risk, not in all cases, but I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like, let's all be just totally irresponsible and just throw it all out the window, burn the house down and start over. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, is there, is there an opportunity here for us to take a step in a direction that moves the needle towards happiness, joy, purpose, fulfillment? We're the only ones keeping us where we are. And trust me when I say that's like a hard pill to swallow. I get that. I don't know when I became that person, but I'm recognizing that I've become the person that kind of feels like I've allowed myself to feel like, well, I'm I'm doing this for other people. Like I make the choices that I do to benefit other people, but I'm not because if not, like my husband told me the other day when we were talking about it, he's like, don't feel like you're staying there for me. You're not doing me a favor by staying there. And like in that moment when he said it, it felt harsh, but 
I knew what he was saying was true. And that's like a lie I've allowed myself to believe. Like, well, I'm doing us a favor. And I, and not even in like us, I like, look at me, I'm doing something so special. I'm, I'm doing us a favor by staying here in these circumstances that I don't like because it's good for us. Like, I don't even have a prideful attitude about it. It's just, that's really what I've allowed, convinced myself that I'm doing, but I'm not doing either one of us a favor because I'm unhappy. And he, he knows that I'm unhappy. He senses that I'm unhappy. And so, I mean, by the grace of God, we have a great marriage and I'm so thankful for it. But that unha- unhappiness ultimately affects every relationship you're in. If you have kids, it's affecting your kids. If you have a spouse or, um, you know, a fiance, a boyfriend or girlfriend, it's just affecting those people. It's affecting your siblings that you have relationships with. It's affecting your friendships. Like, we're not doing anyone favors by allowing ourselves to continue in, t- in circumstances that are absolutely draining us of every sense of joy and happiness and purpose and fulfillment in life. We're just not. And maybe that sounds harsh to you the same way that it felt harsh to me when I heard it, but it's true. And there's probably, a a therapist is probably listening to this and thinking like I could have a field day with these (laughs) With these people, there's probably, you know, a lot deeper things going on there with the way some of us were brought up. I I know I am really starting to draw the connections of me allowing myself to continue in these patterns and have these thought process, processes about things and the way I grew up and the examples that I saw when I was growing up. And maybe that's something like, we'll talk about at a later date. But we're not we're not martyrs for the sake of the people that we love by allowing ourselves to just continue in unhappiness for the sake of so-called stability. There are other things out there. So whatever it is, the thing that you, the thing that you dream about, like, what is it that if you really could do it, like, if you could do anything and no one was telling you no, and if you did it, it just worked. Like, it was successful, it happened. What do you want to do? What is that thing? And what can you do to start to move the needle in that direction? What's the thing? What's the one small thing you can do today, this week, this month that starts to move you closer in that direction? Like I said, I'm not saying throw everything away and start over. Maybe you're in a position where you can do that. And if you can't, I say do it. What's the worst that can happen? It fails. 
okay, so start over. And like, I, <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir here. Okay. So don't think <laughs> it's like, yes, that's easier said than done. It absolutely is. But, but it doesn't change the reality that that's true. Like the worst that can happen is it fails and you can start over. Start over with something new. The worst, worst that could happen is it fails. You start over, it fails and you burn out and you go back to the thing that you already know, but you're already there. You're already at that thing. You're already kind of at the worst case scenario, right? Because if you never do it, it's failed anyways. So why not at least say, I gave it the shot. Like I went for it. Didn't pan out the way that I thought it thought it would. But at least I can say, like, I wanted to do that thing and I tried it. And what's more likely to happen than it just flat out failed and you had to go back to the life you had before is that if it maybe fails, but you learned something from it. And so you tweaked it. You changed directions a little bit and you found your footing. Like that's what's more likely to happen. So why don't we just do it? Why don't we just take the step? This podcast is like that one small step that I can take right now. There's probably other small steps, but if I'm really honest and transparent, like this is the easiest, less least scary first step. Monetarily, nothing to lose. I paid for the mic. That's it. <laughs> but it's a small step. And this small step hopefully motivates another small step, which hopefully then motivates another small step so that Hopefully a year from now I look back and I can say, I did it. I'm changing directions. Like I'm happier than I was a year ago. I feel more fulfilled than I did a year ago. I feel like I'm a, on a better path than I did a year ago. Because that's the goal. That's the goal is to have a life that feels like it has purpose that brings fulfillment that has joy and happiness with people that we love at least for me that's the goal maybe your goal is something different whatever that goal is if you're not there and if you feel like you're a thousand years away from being there Really start to ask yourselves the hard questions about why are you why are you where you are and why are you allowing yourself to stay there and what can you do to change it? There's a book called The One Thing and I could give it a quick little goog to find out who wrote it. Something Keller I think um and maybe I'll talk about yeah Gary Keller um maybe we'll talk about it in another episode sometime but essentially the gist of that book is what's what's just the one thing that you can do today and there is always one thing what's the one thing 
What's the one smallest, easiest thing that you can do that moves the needle the most in the direction that you want it to go? Take the pressure off of like doing the hugest thing right now. What's the one smallest, simplest, easiest thing that you can do today, tomorrow, this week, this month that moves the needle the most in the direction that you want to go? And if you don't know, make your one thing figuring out what that one thing is. If you're like, Brie, I could not even begin to answer that question. I genuinely just don't know. Okay, then that's a really good first step. Not knowing that or knowing that you don't know is a really good place to start. So make your one thing figuring out what is that one thing. Maybe you don't even know what direction you want to move the needle in. Then make that the thing, figuring it out. What is it that's most important to you in life? And what what do the different pieces of your life need to look like so that the big picture looks the way that you want it to? And then we do those things prayerfully. I mean, if you're not a Christian, then that you know this is going to be a different perspective for you than it is for me, but as a Christian, I I'm going to take these things and I'm going to start taking the steps and I'm going to put it in God's hands, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing the work because I realized about a month ago that I keep praying to God to change my circumstances and I'm not doing a single thing to see those circumstances change. And you, if you've ever heard the expression, nothing changes unless or until something changes. And that sounds so simple and so cliche, and yet it's incredibly true. Something has to change if anything is going to change. And so if I'm going to keep asking God to change the circumstances of my life, I have to stop I have to stop expecting him to do all the work and me to do none of it. I have to I have to take some steps. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to pray that you can do. Is I'm going to take the small steps that I'm brave enough to take, that I know how to take, and I'm going to pray that God blesses them. And I'm going to pray for the Lord to give me direction and wisdom in those things. And I'm going to give it to him to do what he wants to do with it. But I can't expect him to do something with nothing. I mean, he's able. Don't get me wrong. The Lord is able to make anything out of nothing. But that's an unreasonable request when he has given me the power and the ability and the resources to take steps to do things for him to bless along the way. Faith without works is dead, is what the Bible says. So if I'm going to believe him for something, I have a responsibility to put some action to that belief. And so that's what I'm going to try 
to do. And I pray that you can find a way to do that too. And if you feel scared or you feel uncertain, I pray that you find people and resources that bring you a sense of joy and a sense of encouragement and a sense of ability to do the things that you have the power to do. Don't worry about the things that you don't have the power to do right now. Don't overwhelm yourself with all of the details of the things that you don't know how to figure out or you feel like you're not good enough for. Things have a way of working themselves out as they go. So do the thing that you can do right now. Let's stop choosing misery because it offers stability. And let's start embracing the unknown in pursuit of joy and happiness and purpose and fulfillment. And all of these things can be done by the grace of God and to the glory of God if you're a Christian. So we will figure it out as we go. But hey, I'm really glad that you were here. If you stuck around for all of this hot mess of a ramble session, (laughs) I pray and I hope that it blesses and that it encourages you and it gives you the nudge if you needed it. Or maybe you are exactly where you want to be, but you know somebody in your life who isn't. And I pray that this little conversation helps you be an encouragement to them. So until next time, my friends, grace and peace to you. I'll see you in the next one.